Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We got some football tonight. Some college football. It has begun. Wes is excited because he gets to watch Wake Forest. You're actually going to go to the game. Well, <laughs> and it's all good. I'm not going to chew. <laughs> well, I'm just, excited. You know what I'm saying? Me and my mom, you know, I get a rare night to be able to go to a game. So we're going to go to Wake and Elon. Okay. So going to be exciting to get that recap with you being on site. Uh, I'm going to be on site for my alma mater as well. And I can't wait to go to the Charlotte game on Saturday. And I also can't wait to put this Biff Pogey cutoff shirt on. So this is what I got excited about, man. Mike Hill, who we're going to have on tomorrow at 2 o'clock to talk about Charlotte football. Going to be awesome to talk with him. He put out there that the student store, the bookstore, was going to be selling Biff Pogey cutoffs. One with just Biff Pogey on it and another one a part of the cutoff crew. And yeah, me, noodle arms and all. Arms that could hula hoop through a Cheerio. Sun's out. Noodle arms out, baby. I'm 100% going to go get the Biff Pogey shirt. I'm going to go to the bookstore tomorrow as soon as they go on sale. And I'm going to spend my money and say, please take it. Here's a blank check. I want this one for sure. I just want one. But I'm going to wear the hell out of it on Saturday. As you should. Send me the picture so we can uh, throw that up. You know what I'm saying? Because we got to see you repping out there. Are you going to have a cigar, too? That's the question. If I make the tailgate in time, I'm going to have a cigar. Yeah, man. That's what I'm going to do. Stop and grab your your stick, as they call it. So what's weird is, man, I, I... I don't know why I find Biff Pogey the character. I mean, everybody loves him, right? But for some reason, this guy is just hilarious to me. I love him. This guy coming in saying we're bad company. He gets mad at everyone for only asking him three questions. The dude has a cigar in his mouth constantly. He's doing cookie reviews. Here he is wearing cutoffs. I thought it got peak not caring, peak indifference with Bill Belichick wearing hoodies that have holes in them. No. Biff Pogey has now beaten Bill Belichick with peak indifference on the sideline on how you look by going straight cutoff mode. And that's why I love this guy. I can't wait to see what we do this year. Yeah, man. And I think that the toughness, the bravado, everything that he's bringing, you're going to have the TV cameras there, man. He is bringing it. And after what I saw uh, on his other Max documentary with St. Francis, the cost of winning. Can't wait to see what that's going to be like. I'm certainly going to be tuned into mining for gold or uh, what's it called? Mining for, I forget, but the documentary he's going to have upcoming. It's an exciting time for Charlotte football, man. You should be beyond excited to see what the Niners are going to bring on Saturday. All right, now just don't lose. 
<laughs> no, no you got to take care of the winning. <laughs> Even beyond week one, we just got to keep on. We got to keep on winning as much as we possibly can. And we got Myron Goodman hating already. Let's go Phoenix beat Wake Forest. Yeah, of course. 980 said, I heard somebody say the other day, the Wake versus Elon game is the battle for Burlington. You think uh-huh. Wake is going to win the battle of oh, Burlington good. tonight? <laughs> That game will be over with at halftime. I hope so. Yeah, that That's not one that's going to be interesting. NC State, I don't expect to be either. They take on UConn on the road tonight. So that one is, NC State's a 14-point favorite. It's not a crazy gap. I, I don't think UConn's going to win. I think NC State should win. I feel very good about those chances of winning against UConn. But that one being the more interesting game, we can get to some more college football a little bit later on. Scott Fitterer did speak to the media just a little while ago, about an hour ago to be exact. Let's go over some of those comments right now by getting off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! GM Scott Fitterer spoke to media today to discuss some of the decisions they made, some of the cuts they made to get down to a 53-man roster. The one that was most talked about, clearly, the one that was brought up first and foremost, it was releasing Matt Corral, the third-round quarterback they traded up to go get in the two drafts ago class. And now Matt Corral is going to, we're going to see if he clears waivers. And if that is the case, then the Panthers plan is to go get him and bring him back to the practice squad. Scott Fitterer confirmed that today. And Frank Reich also talked about seeing some nice things from Matt Corral this offseason. Yeah. You know, we're happy with the progress that Matt made. You know, there's, as, as we've talked about, you know, really the whole offseason, there's a lot of complexities, a lot of moving parts to putting together a roster Right. Everybody understands that the sole motivation is to do what's best for the team. You know, we're trying to get as many uh, players on the roster and in that locker room uh, on the 53 and on the practice squad as we can that can help us win this year. So those are tough decisions. Um, I would hope, you know, I don't mind saying I would love to get Matt back. Um, He's done. We think he's done very well. Like to see him continue to progress. So we'll see if he clears waivers. I think he probably will, but as Scott said today, it only takes one team to value a QB enough to go claim him. You are making some form of stank face based off of Frank Reich's comments right there. Why the stank face? Uh, I don't understand, and I definitely need to verse myself in the fact of why teams will get rid of guys to bring them back to the practice squad uh, if they want them. And I know it can depend on certain roster moves and what happens. But if you say what Frank Reich just said just now, you should have just kept him from the first place. In the first place. Well, I mean, you still have other areas you need to shore up. At the end of the day, Matt Corral would be your third-string quarterback. And if you need space to go get offensive line depth, which we both have said has been shaky, this is the only way that you can do that. And then if you bring him back to the practice squad, then you can activate him to the uh, 53-man roster. And then if you have enough injuries with Bryce Young going down, God forbid, same thing with Andy Dalton. So, I mean, I don't I don't mind this. I don't mind what he said. I mean, I, I just feel like, and again, that's something I have to look at, and I know it comes down to a numbers game, and if you are going to add certain people, certain people at other positions that you may feel are expendable have to go, but I just feel like if you felt that good about him, like he said, then you wouldn't have let him uh, get out of your building in the first place. That's all I'm saying, especially quarterback at a position uh, like that. Well, and, and this is another conversation I want to have with Matt Corral. Wes, do you remember when we were going over the draft simulator, trying to figure out 
who the Panthers are going to take at eight or nine overall. And when I was discussing the possibility of them taking a quarterback, we had a lot of people that said, no, no, they have Matt Corral. Let's just see what you have in him. Mm -hmm. It never made any sense. And this isn't to jump around for joy that Matt Corral is cut. That's far from the case. I want him to show enough to where he can be a starting QB out there in the NFL, come back on the practice squad, be valuable enough to where once you move off of Andy Dalton, then he could be a backup that Andy Dalton just goes and becomes a veteran backup mercenary somewhere else, and Matt Corral could be that guy. I hope the best for him. But this is why you have to go make your move even in the first round at QB because, yes, Maybe Matt Corral is one of these outlier quarterbacks that end up being a really nice starter that weren't drafted in the first round. But why in the world would you depend on that? Because now we're talking about a guy after they traded up to go get him. Now we're talking about a guy that's not on the roster anymore. And so it never made any sense for this Carolina Panthers team to either a sit back and take a different position despite needing a QB so badly at nine And even going in a different direction once they traded up to number one, which, granted, nobody was really arguing that. So I'm glad that they have Bryce Young. I hope Matt Corral can come back and he can be a backup QB maybe in the future. But right now, it's going to be Bryce Young. It's going to be Andy Dalton. And we'll see what Matt Corral does, whether he's picked up on waivers today or whether the Panthers bring him back on the practice squad. Yeah, and I think that with a young guy like Matt Corral that still hasn't played a lot of football, I feel like that the Panthers, if they truly do like him like that and want him back on the practice squad, it's a little bit of a risk because I think a young quarterback like that, just getting back into the thick of things as far as playing, there might be some team out there that feels like they can do a little bit more with him and may scoop him up. And I guess they're okay with that. Yeah, well... Yeah, I mean, there wasn't any other team that traded up or drafted him despite having that chance in that NFL draft class. There, The QB class was bad, and everybody had their shot at getting Matt Corral, and it just didn't happen until the Carolina Panthers found, you know what, this is the right time for us to go get him. That's what they did, and now we'll see if he ends up on the practice squad. Now, they do have an open roster spot right now. Steven Sullivan, one of the five tight ends they decided to keep. Steven Sullivan heads to IR, so they have an open roster spot as it currently stands. Joe Person asked Scott Fitterer what the plans were with that spot. And he said, we're going to keep it open for a little while. We're going to see what we need the most. He didn't want to give you a position of need right now because other teams are going to be paying attention to what Scott Fitterer has to say. And if there are a couple of positions that another team is trying to figure out what they want to add, they might go with someone that the Panthers are looking to add as well. So Scott was mum on the word about what position they would want to go get. But he did say we're going to keep that open to try to go get some more depth, somebody to come and help this football team right now. What is one of those position groups you think they should be looking at with that open roster spot to go in and help them week one and beyond um, for this upcoming season. Well, they addressed tackle yesterday going and getting uh, the player from the Saints with the Throckmorton. Throckmorton. They went and did that. Uh, They've also picked up some cornerback depth as well. So we saw them make a move uh, there for a player. So then uh, talking about Deshaun Wilson that came over from the 49ers. So I guess at this point, when you look at it, perhaps uh, some defensive line depth. Uh, he did like talk about that about being one area. Wanting a big body, preferably a nose guard. So that may be where you look to. I think 
defensive lineman will be an issue for them or something that they want to add to for sure. Cornerback depth is still there, right? If they like somebody enough, I don't think that would be crazy to go out and add someone. I do think probably interior defensive line, if they like an edge rusher enough that has physical traits, but maybe doesn't have the production or the snaps as it stands right now, you know, maybe that's something they would go after, but we'll see. We'll see how it all unfolds for the Carolina Panthers and as they have this open roster spot. Last thing is, somebody asked Scott Fitterer if he thinks this roster is better than last year's. He said they feel very good about where it is. I don't know if he answered outright 100% yes, but it felt like he felt that way. Do you see it that way, Wes, that this roster, as currently constructed, is better than what we saw last year? We know QB is better. Bryce Young, number one overall pick, better than Sam Darnold, better than P.J. Walker, better than whoever you had, Baker Mayfield included. But do you feel everywhere else can also kind of lead you to the area of, oh, yeah, this is a better roster than what we had in 2022. Off the strength of Bryce Young, like you said, that's an automatic upgrade. You talk about the receivers when you said Shai Smith and his standing last year and how he was battling to be the sixth receiver. So I think uh, you've upgraded at receiver. You have a better receiving core. You bring in a Pro Bowl running back. Miles Sanders. You have him in the backfield. You didn't have a Pro Bowl running back last year. Even though Deontay Foreman performed admirably, but you now have a a real deal running back back there as far as accolades are concerned. So yeah, I think uh, just automatically talking about the offense in and of itself, you like what's there. You think that's better. You've upgraded in several areas. You turn over to the defensive side of the ball, short up some stuff in the secondary with Von Bell. J.C. Horn healthy automatically makes this a better secondary. You look at your front seven. Didn't necessarily bring in anybody except for Justin Houston. So yeah, overall, this is a better roster, better team than what you fielded last year. I don't, I don't think there's much of a debate. I don't know yeah. where you would look and say, oh man, they got crazy weak there. Even if everybody thinks this might be the worst skill position group in the entire NFL, remember, last year it was DJ Moore, and then who else? They just cut a guy that was their third leading receiver because they didn't feel he was good enough to be in the top five this season and he was the third leading guy last year so yeah even with that group being the biggest weakness of this team possibly still i don't think you can say this is a worse roster by any stretch of the imagination that'll do it for getting off the bus i do want to go back and talk a little more about the panthers draft history i saw it questioned quite a bit especially after the cuts And then the fact that those cuts weren't picked up immediately by other NFL franchises. What do we make of the Panthers' recent draft history? We'll talk about it next on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
Jason Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ Football. We got some ACC action tonight, NC State, Wake Forest. They'll be playing. We'll talk about that a little later on, have the campus corner. Also, we'll be talking about that in the Wesson Walker walk-off, getting some of those predictions out there. Plenty of predictions today. North Carolina Team Week predictions. We have South Carolina Team Week predictions. We're going to be talking to North Carolina and South Carolina guests. And I say guests, quote-unquote, for North Carolina because I think we're just going to welcome a familiar face in the studio tomorrow, probably. I think we're going to be talking to Anthony Flounder Pagnata. I think that's what we'll probably be doing when we get a guest because we don't have a North Carolina guest right now. And he is the writer of the esteemed Heel Tough blog, the football portion. And so I thought, all right, we'll just have him you know, take 20 steps down the hallway and join us to talk about it this was your idea yeah, but so you just sh- took credit for it you said i thought we just bring him on in here no no i thought we should bring him in here are you fighting for credit for this idea i fight for all credit <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> i didn't know this was yeah i mean it seems pretty easy to do we just ask the guy that we see every single morning can you stop in the studio i don't think there's a lot of work being done but if you want to take the credit for that that's fine yeah i mean look I'm I'm a sensitive, delicate flower. You really are. We just talked about that as well. How you dish it out big time, but as soon as the most benign of jokes is hurled your way, it's, you know what, that really hurts. In fact, you started our off-the-air conversation about Duke in North Carolina, Wes pulling for Duke when Duke plays North Carolina. You said, you know, Wes, that really hurts. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. It hurts when you pull for Duke when those two take the field. And there you were discussing how much it hurt you again so well i mean like here's the thing <laughs> whenever i remember that wake forest has a elect department i pull for them in most situations but wes you know just never just never pulls for us he pulls right. for he pulls for the literal devil over carolina right be close and i would cheer for the literal devil <laughs> over carolina. oh my god <laughs> horns and all yeah <laughs> go go lucifer that's right Wow. (laughs) That's what Wes would be cheering in a game against North Carolina. I did want to talk about the Carolina Panthers draft history because I saw this being talked about quite a bit on Twitter. And there were a couple of things to note. Mike Kay of the Charlotte Observer, he put out a tweet saying, quote, I think it says a lot about the Panthers roster decision making process, whether you agree with every move or not, that no team claimed a single former player on waivers, whether it be Shai Smith, Brandon Smith. Keith Taylor, Stanley Thomas Oliver, they're all recent-ish draft picks. Corral's outlook is intriguing. So that was Mike K's tweet. Jason OTC put out there on Twitter that the Cowboys, your boys, Fiddy, even though you tried to change during the offseason, the Cowboys currently lead the NFL with being responsible for starting the career of 82 players currently in the NFL. Wow. The Ravens are second with 77, followed by the Vikings with 75, 49ers, your boys, Wes, with 74, the Patriots with 71. Do you know who is dead last when it comes to that specific category? The Carolina Panthers. It's the Carolina Panthers. And there's actually a pretty big gap between them and the second to last place. So Jason OTC said bottom five are the Panthers at just 39, Steelers with 47, second to last, Giants and the Jets with 50, the Falcons and the Cardinals both sit at 51. So the Panthers are dead last when it comes to being responsible for starting the career of NFL players in the league. So look, it feels like there are a lot of 
going around the corner, trying to figure out how to phrase that, right? Ultimately, what what this means is that the talent evaluation process has not been very good. It hasn't. And if you go back to their recent draft history, if we just disregard 2023 because we haven't seen them play a game yet, right? We can go to 2022, and they cut Matt Corral, their third-round pick. They cut Brandon Smith, their fourth-round pick. They still have Amari Barno and Cade Mays, a couple of six-rounders. They don't have Kalen Barnes anymore. We'll see about Barno. We'll see about Mays. But, you know, it's it's a crapshoot with six-round anyway. We'll see if those guys make the roster. If you go to 2021, J.C. Horn, stud, right? No doubt about it. Stud just needs to be healthy. Terrace Marshall Jr., Brady Christensen, and Tommy Tremble are your next three picks. They're all on the roster. I think you want your second-round pick to be a starter, right? Like, second-rounders, good picks. They should be starters. We'll see about TMJ. But right now, a little dicey. Don't know what's going to happen. Christensen is. Maybe the argument against Christensen would be he's probably the starting offensive lineman you feel the worst about unless you put a lot of stock into what Icky showed this preseason. So maybe there's an argument there. But I digress. A lot of people want to cut Tommy Tremble. I don't want to cut him. But a lot of people do still very dicey on what his outlook is going to be. Chuba Hubbard was the next pick still on the roster backup running back. And then you go the rest of the way. Nobody on the team. Davion Nixon, Keith Taylor, Deontay Brown, Shai Smith, Thomas Fletcher, long snapper, Thomas Fletcher, by the way, and then Phil Hoskins. So the recent ish draft picks, they just haven't hit a lot on the guys that are drafted late, which is fine. It's it's late. It's a crapshoot for a reason, but to have so many draft picks, especially in 2021, and not one of those guys from the fifth round on hit, not one, or even on the roster, two years out, it's it's pretty quick. And then we don't know how many starters we have outside of J.C. Horn, your first round pick. Brady Christensen is a starter, but again, we don't know exactly how long he's going to be there. But maybe we can give that as a point towards the Carolina Panthers. Here's my question. Is this fair to look at that 39 figure? to look at some of the draft picks they've made in the last three years and say, man, they've been as bad as anybody collecting talent outside of the first round when you compare them to all the other NFL squads. Well, I think so, too, especially when you look at the records that they have had. Not a lot of success there, so I think that equates to your drafting. But I think one thing the Panthers can look at is a lot of the greatest players in their organization's history were homegrown guys, and I think you have to uh, take credit there, but also find that he said 45.6% of the homegrown players uh, on the roster are Panthers, and that ranks near the bottom of the league. And so when you look at the company they're keeping, Cardinals, Raiders, Texans, and then the Steelers are the only team that's a real surprise there as far as their rosters being comprised of players that they drafted. It's not great company, but then when you look at the best, there's Dallas, which Dallas is a Super Bowl contender this year. The Rams, we know what state they're in. The Ravens look to be a contender. The Packers have been decent, and then the Buccaneers aren't that great either, except when they had Tom a few years ago, a couple years ago. But as far as you have to look at the scouting, you have to look at that and equate it to what your team's success has been. And the teams that draft the best obviously are going to be good because you don't have to go out. And when you talk about the homegrown players deal, you don't have to go out and find things in other places. Your drafting can take care of a lot of the holes that you need to fill so, yes, it, it, it's not a great thing that there's not a lot of players on this roster that were drafted uh, three years ago or later. 
And so they've got to get better with that as well, especially with Bryce Young in the fold. Hopefully they hit on this pick because this is the most important of them all. And then after that, you can start to fill in the pieces from there. And I think that that's one benefit that this offseason has given them, bringing in some of these vets and guys that can be here for one to two years and help build a foundation to usher in the Bryce Young era. Now you can start to hopefully draft well and replace uh, some of these vets when they are sent off to go elsewhere or retire. You can replace them with young guys that you drafted that are ready to go that are talented. Let's go to the text line, 704-570-9610. Jack wrote in a good point. Our Achilles heel is that we never developed Thomas Fletcher. That's right. Just couldn't Hmm. take that job away from J.J. Jansen. You coming, bro? You coming? (laughs) <laughs> that was Matt Rule to Thomas Fletcher when he called him on the phone. It's kind of cringeworthy moment. Jim Thorpe wrote, it just goes to show that the draft is only one piece of the puzzle in constructing an NFL team. It's a pretty big one, though. You got to draft well. And you brought up Tampa Bay. Wes, they have done a phenomenal job drafting. They really did. If you look at some of the first round picks, they nailed them. If you look at some of the guys that were drafted even beyond that first round, nailed a lot of those picks. You even go to some of the wide receivers that Tom Brady was throwing to Mike Evans draft pick, Chris Godwin draft pick. I mean, they didn't, then they were able to go out and even the talent evaluation getting Shaq Barrett. Remember Shaq Barrett was not this crazy high coveted pass rusher coming from the Broncos. Good piece. People liked him, but then he explodes his first year with Tampa Bay, the talent evaluation from Jason light as the GM. It's been pretty damn impressive. Tristan Wirfs stud when he's out there and healthy. You talk about Carlton Davis, good cornerback, Jamel Dean, good cornerback. I mean, we can go down the list. It's been pretty good for Tampa. And so that allows you very Golden State Warrior-esque. When you have all of this talent, it becomes attractive to a top-tier free agent. Golden State drafts well enough. They hit everything out of the park. Kevin Durant wants to go over there. Tampa Bay hits everything out of the park. Tom Brady wants to go over there. And so Carolina doesn't have the talent. And guess what? We've actually seen free agent QBs turn him down before. Hello, Matthew Stafford. Carolina had a better offer to Detroit. Matthew Stafford didn't want to go to Carolina. So Detroit does him a solid, sends him to L.A. Stafford sees all of the talent over there with the Rams. And granted, they were willing to trade every pick under the sun. So understandable. But Stafford wanted to go to a more talented team, wins a Super Bowl. That's how it is. Let's go to a couple of other texts. Niner B said, um, excuse me, not Niner B. We can go to 980 asking a question. Is some of that related to trading away a bunch of picks? It's a good question, but no, remember 2021, they had a lot. They had a ton of draft picks because Vitter just kept moving down. And I like that philosophy. You want more bites at the apple because drafting is an imperfect process. It's a crapshoot for a lot of these different teams. Now you can see who's good at it and who's not, but I like that philosophy It's just even after all those bites at the apple, you couldn't get that sweet spot except for J.C. Horn. And now we're trying to figure out if TMJ, Brady Christensen, Tommy Trimble, Chuba Hubbard, are any of those guys foundational pieces going forward? Because that's what you want. And I don't know if it's safe to say any of those guys outside of J.C. are foundational pieces. No. And so you do have to kind of fans will be looking at 
Scott Fitterer just a little bit. I don't think his seat's warm because I think that Bryce Young uh, affords you the ability to be able to have some job security, especially if he hits and he's one of those guys that ends up being uh, what you want him to be. But it does not bode well, like you said, when you think about the overall uh, year in, year out roster that you will feel that you're missing on draft picks because we know and we talk about it all the time when you get a really good player now with the rookie wage scale how much that affords you to be able to do when you're able to um, draft a guy not paying them a ton of money and they end up being a stud for you especially if you hit on a first round of four or five years of paying them decent money but not crazy money and then the same thing goes when you especially not to bring up, you know, to brag or whatever, but if you do get into a situation like when you hit maybe on a Brock Purdy type of player, a guy that comes in and looks like he could be a future foundational piece that you draft in the seventh round, sixth round, fifth round, that you're paying minimal money to, it affords you the ability to do so much else. So then if you want to go out and sign a big fish, so to speak, or if you have uh, young players on your roster that it's time for them to get paid, you're able to do that as well. Uh, Bagel Guy has a problem with me saying sweet spot. Maybe you agree with Bagel Guy. Great saying, place in Concord to eat. Saying sweet Where's spot. The sweet spot, man. It's over in uh, Concord. It's behind out. We're uh, Cox Mill down kind of that way, man. But it's my favorite breakfast place. Oh, sweet. Oh, man. I didn't have it. I didn't have it. You know what? <laughs> I'm not going to miss it. Delayed. Firing on all cylinders yeah. right now. Bagel Guy said, Walker, don't know if you pointed it out, but we took J.C. Horn over Patrick Sertan and Micah Parsons, both all pros. And then he said, all caps. Is J.C. Horn a sweet spot? About... I count five question marks. <laughs> you passed on Sertan and Micah Parsons, both all pros already. The saving grace is that J.C. Horn. And look, half full, half empty, whatever your approach is. Half full is that he's been injured and has not been able to showcase the talent that Sertan and Parsons have yet. Is that half full? Well, and it could also be half empty, right? No, 100%. I was going to go that way. Yeah. Half empty is that he's been injured and he hasn't been able to show his full potential. Also, look, and like I'm a Dallas fan, so I'm amazed at what I watch Micah Parsons do on a football field every Sunday. Did we think he was going to be this good, this yeah. quick? I mean, um, like, I mean, like, like all pro. Okay, you can pat yourself on the back, but that was highly questioned at the yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I, I loved the upside of the pick and the potential of the pick, but he's blown me away. Oh, that was highly questioned, Wes. Pat yourself on the back all you want to if you knew he was going to be a crazy stud, like legitimately. I mean, he was a monster that sophomore year at Penn State. But okay, and maybe his workout was crazy. Like, I just now I'm not sitting here saying like, oh, I, I, I thought he was. Is going to come in and be the next Lawrence Taylor. But I knew when they drafted him, I said, Michael Parsons is going to be a dog. But also, remember, we didn't know what position he was going to play. Mm -hmm. And so when you have this linebacker positional value conversation, they moved him straight to edge rusher, which was the right decision. And he's now one of the best edge rushers in all of the NFL. Hey, they knocked it out of the park with that pick. I know a lot of people, a lot, didn't love it. And there are also character concerns with Micah Parsons coming out of the NFL draft as well. Well, I mean, you know, and also, like, I don't want to go to d down too far, bro, when it comes to him. Like, how much does playing for Dan Quinn has really elevated his career to where he is a premier pass rusher, we'll never know. I mean, I mean, I, I think with JC, like it's hard because you haven't seen him play 17 games. Well, yeah, 100%. And this is not to say that if we could do this over again, you would draft JC over Micah Parsons. No. Micah affects the passing game. He's one of the best edge rushers in the league. You take Micah if you have a time machine and can go back. But JC has all pro corner potential. No, they didn't get Sertan. Sertan has been healthier. 
but we can see a pretty damn good parallel now that JC is going to play for the exact defensive coordinator that Sertan played for last year. So it's going to be interesting as long as he's healthy. Yeah, I just think, and yes, you are very correct. It's hard to go back hindsight 50. 50, you don't know that JC Horn is going to get injured as much as he has up until this point. Um, so, I mean, you could do that for so many draft picks, especially when they're not turning out the way you want. If J.C. Horn already has an all-pro, if he already has a couple of Pro Bowls under his belt, this is not a discussion. But when you do go back and look at it, because you say in the evaluation, did you think that he was going to be better than Sertan or uh, whatever the case may be? Because Alabama has put out a lot of busts, too, especially at the DB position. I mean, I could think off the top, I thought D. Milner was going to be the man. Mark Barron. Not that good. Yeah, so it's a lot of guys. So it's hard to kind of go back and say that now. I will level with you there. But as far as just to a man, like I did think that Michael Parsons was going to hit in the league. Well, right. And, and even if you, right. Like even, even if you individually might like a better, like a player more, it doesn't mean that that was the 100% easy consensus pick. Sure. If that was the case, then Mike would have been taken by Denver, right? But they took Patrick Sertan. And I don't know if anybody is pointing to Denver and say, oh, they really screwed that pick up. Well, yeah, he's been an all-pro, though. Yeah, well, right. But also, J.C. Horn has comparable numbers when he's healthy to Sertan. Doesn't have an all-pro. Doesn't have an all-pro. But also, the guy has played how many less games? I mean, this is true, but he doesn't have an all-pro. He doesn't. <laughs> and if we just want to have... The day. that That's true. He does not have an all-pro. 704-570-9610. I want to continue that conversation. I want to talk about the pressure on Scott Fitterer a little bit later. I know you were talking about that, Wes. I think it's a difference with him this year compared to years in the future, like a three-year outlook for him. I think that'll be interesting to get to a little bit later on. You got to stick around to catch that conversation. You also have to stick around to catch this Fitty Flash. What you got, Fitty? Now you can go ahead and get some popcorn. Ah, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Did you just turn people away from our show? <laughs> no, come back. Damn, I don't I don't know what to say about that because I, I had this... This flash all geared up for you, Wes, so please mm. don't pop any popcorn. Don't fall asleep. <laughs> we talked about the college football season getting under in full swing tonight, and the game of the night is easily Florida traveling to uh, Salt Lake to take on Utah. But Utah West, they're going to be without Cam Rising, a guy that is 18-6 and six as a starter, the fifth most wins in Utah quarterback history, and has led the program to back-to-back uh, Pac-12 titles. Is it enough for him being out for them to be on upset alert? There's a lot of people not high on Billy Napier going into year two at Florida. Are you buying into the maybe we have an upset to kick off the official start of the college football season? No, I don't see Florida. Oh, it's tough without the quarterback, but I still think Utah at home gets the job done. I think Florida will play them close, but I'm just not trusting that situation. Not a big Graham Mertz fan. When you talk about the Florida Gators and their quarterback situation, I do love Trevor Etienne and what he brings to the table. But other than that, this is a defense still seeking to find its past glory. And then an offense that I'm just not uh, feeling just yet. Got to see more from this team. So I think they lose tonight. All right. More college conversation coming up next in the campus corner. It's Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. 
So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Thursday on the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio, 92.7, WFNZ, Rejoice. It has begun in the words of Shane Tucson from the Mortal Kombat movie. You remember that? Nope, I sure don't. I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> you remember Mortal Kombat, though, right? The video game. Yes, yes. I know Mortal Kombat. Okay, right. The only fighting game that I had that I had to sneak play because my sibling had it, mm-hmm. but my mom didn't know I was playing it, was Tekken 2. And boy, I love me some Tekken 2. They're about to come out with Tekken 8. Tekken 2 was awesome. Yeah, man. Tekken's dope. Great fighting game. But uh, hit us up on that text line, like I said, 704-570-9610. Hit up those socials. Hit that follow button, WFNZ, on Twitter and Instagram, at HTB underscore Josh, at West Bryant underscore 72, at Walker Mail on Twitter and Instagram. And most importantly, Wes and Walker on Twitter, all the behind-the-scenes stuff every day, taking you inside of some of our uh, wild, wild... uh, things that we have going on wild yeah big wild. time wild 100%. but now it's time to get wild and go to the campus corner all right acc action tonight the wake forest demon deacons will take on elon in winston-salem i will be there fonda will be there as well uh, and so over the last 12 seasons, Wake Forest is 9-3 and three in season openers, including a 7-2 and two record in head coach Dave Clawson's tenure. And they have an 8-1 and one mark in home openers in the Clawson era. Since the start of the 2016 season, Wake holds a record of 20-6 and six in September. And Elon coming in to give them a little bit of due because they're somewhat local as well. They posted an 8-4 record, booked a spot in the FCS playoffs for the first time since 2018, where they were defeated by number 11, Furman. And they picked up three wins over FCS-ranked opponents. So, no slouch, but this is a game. The Mitch Griffiths era truly opens today. He did start the season last year for Sam Hartman and played admirably, uh, stepping in for him. But now it is his show, and he will be the man each and every week. What do you expect from the Deeks? I know you expect a big blowout. But uh, do you have any other additional thoughts on what you think about this matchup? Well, Mitch Griffiths is going to take the storyline, right? We want to see how he does right after Sam Hartman, who it's not like he made things hard. You want Mitch Griffiths to be able to perform against Elon no matter what Sam Hartman did for Notre Dame. 
But Hartman was in the national consciousness when he did what he did for the Fighting Irish and looked very good on a national scale. So now you would think Mitch Griffiths would want to come out here and dominate as much as possible, so much so that you don't even have to see him in the second half. I think that's the kind of outing you're wanting from a Mitch Griffiths against Elon. No disrespect to the Phoenix. It's just Wake Forest, if we expect them to pick up right where they left off, to continue to have a seamless transition no matter who is going to be replacing the former starting QB. It's been remarkable how they've been able to do that over in Winston-Salem. I expect them to do it again with Mitch Griffiths, and I expect it to take form tonight immediately against Elon. NC State and UConn will face each other for just the fourth time in history and just the second time at UConn. Last year, NC State beat them 41-10 to at Carter-Finley. Prior to that, NC State had won the two previous matchups by just one score. Since 1970, NC State has a 4-2 record in season openers on the road. UConn will open the season at home for the 15th time in the program's FBS era. UConn is 11-3 in season openers at Pratt and Whitney Stadium. The Huskies are also 13-7 in season openers since the start of their FBS era in 2002. Jim Mora Jr. returns as the head coach, and he guided them to a 6-7 record in year one. They started the season 1-4, but then got hot near the end of the year. They posted a 5-2 mark the rest of the way and became bowl eligible. So that's why I say UConn is a program uh, that's ascending. They're making a little bit of noise, but tonight we get to see the debut of Brennan Armstrong and Robert Anai. How is that offense going to look? Because for NC State at this point, if they can get over the 24-point threshold, I think they will be super excited about what they see. But could we see them scoring in the 30s or, dare I say, the 40s tonight on the road to open up the Brennan Armstrong era? Well, UConn has a lot of starters returning on defense. So perhaps you've seen that transition from one year after another. They do get better in their returning starters. Also on the offensive line, UConn has some guys returning. So they're going to be somewhat of an older team, more of an experienced team. But this is the thing. You don't trust their passing offense whatsoever in UConn. So the thing is, if NC State just gets out early, if they take a, an immediate two-touchdown lead, which is the spread, by the way, is 14 points, then you don't trust UConn at all to come back into this game. But the way that you allow them to hang around is if you allow them to pick up big chunks on the ground to where they don't have to rely on the passing game whatsoever. You have third and manageables, like third and four or under. And then maybe if you are looking for the upset formula, that's how it would be. But I don't expect it to happen. More interesting this game is to me than what Wake and Elon is going to be. But yeah, even despite it being more interesting, the bar is low. I expect NC State to take care of business. All right. Uh, yeah, I think the same thing. I think NC State, I say they get into the 30s tonight. I think they have a good showing. Uh, I think it'll be a good game, but I think NC State comes out on top. And so now the betting odds have come out for the odds to win the CFP. Georgia is firmly the consensus betting favorite to win the CFP at sports books around the nation. They're going for a three-peat. They entered the season with the fifth shortest odds of any preseason title favorite in more than two decades, according to ESPN stats and information research. Georgia is plus 240 to win the college football playoff at Caesar Sportsbook. 
Alabama is next, followed by Ohio State and Michigan. Alabama had been the preseason favorite or co-favorite with Clemson in seven of the past eight seasons. So when you look at those odds, you feel like there's a better bet than Georgia, or should we go with the uh, old Georgia versus the field method? I think I would take the field. It's just so tough to win three in a row, and you are taking a transition at QB with Carson Beck. I know a lot of people love him. I know you brought up, what was it, George Pickens, who wanted Carson Beck to throw at his pro day, if I'm not mistaken. So that says something at least with the receivers and who they would like to throw them the football at the same time. Three national titles in a row where you do have one more year where you're going to have the best of the best to get into that top four scenario. I like some of these other. I would put my money elsewhere. So if you look at some of the other odds, LSU at plus 1000, that's a popular pick. Those are good odds. I mean, if you really like LSU, Brian Kelly finally getting to the playoff with his new school, plus 1000, you're talking about a handful of other schools having better odds, but not as good as the payout. So LSU would be a great bet. What do you think about Clemson at plus 1800? I know you don't love the Tigers. I know that. But plus 1800, really half the battle, 75% of the battle is for them to get to the playoff. If the ACC, Florida State, you don't think is going to beat Clemson. You think Duke is going to win the first game, but you still think Clemson's going to win the ACC. If they do that, they're going to have a shot to get to the college football playoff right then and there. At plus 1800, Garrett Riley, Kate Klubnick, they figure stuff out. I don't hate those odds either. If somebody wanted to pluck down $100 or something like that to take a fly on it, I don't think that would be the worst bet in the world. I like USC at plus uh, 1,000. As much as I would love to pick Georgia to repeat, because especially when you look at this schedule, I mean, my God, there aren't many challenges on here at all unless you get some surprise teams in the SEC, unless Auburn goes back to their past glory. But other than that, you look at this schedule, the only real challenge to me is Tennessee on November 18th at Knoxville. But other than that, non-conference, UT Martin, Ball State, UAB, well, uh, uh, terrible. Oh, it's awful. You okay? So, yeah, Georgia's got every shot to get to the playoffs. I think they do get what? to the playoffs, but I don't see them repeating just because history says that they will not. So, there you have it. I mean, there, there are some interesting bets on the board. I mean, Florida State is plus 2,000. And this is a trendy pick that a lot of people think uh, could get to the college football well, playoffs. Well, in, in Florida State's something you're betting on happening for the first time in forever. Right. So, it's yes, the payout's great. If you believe in their talent, sure, have at it. But LSU has been a team that's been there before. Brian Kelly has been there before with Notre Dame. And then you're talking about Clemson, where we've discussed Dabo Sweeney being among the top at least four coaches in all of college football. And now you have an offensive coordinator that was in the championship game with TCU last year. Yeah, I I like the 1,800. I like the 1,000 with LSU and Clemson. All right, well, when we come back on the Wesson Walker Show, Team Week continues, North Carolina, 2023 predictions. I promise I will not be biased. On Sports Radio 927. Find out if they're going to (laughs) be.